0: I can't believe you chose someone like me. That's right. That's right. Can't believe it. That's personal. That, it is. It's a personal song. I can't believe it that he chose any of you people. <laughs> you <know? laughs> I, 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 I'm, uh, I was saying to Kathy when I came in the door this morning, I said, look at uh, the, the snow. It's snowing. And you know what that means? Spring is coming. <laughs> See, you got to think ahead. You know, spring is coming. Yeah, and I was, I was talking to David. I said, you know, uh, when's when's the deer season? When is it? Tomorrow. Oh, you all know it's whoa. You all know it's tomorrow, right? I'm a little bit loud. Am I loud? No, oh, I'm fine. When I was at the church in Cadillac, pastoring the church of Cadillac, I was telling David that. On the Deer City, uh, you know, when they went out to hunt deer, on that Sunday there was no men, just a and very few women, by the way, because everybody hunts up there and they closed the schools. Did you know that? Up in Cadillac, they closed the schools, so everybody, everybody's hunting up there, everybody's shooting Bambi. So, all right, let's have a word of prayer. God, we love you. We thank you for your goodness to us. We thank you for the privilege we have of being chosen by God, and to be. People who represent him in a way that uh, that you choose in our lives, and we just pray you be with us as we share together on this wonderful, wonderful uh, grace that has been given to us, and um, we just we just revel in this grace. Thank you so much. In Jesus' name, we pray. Amen. Okay, grace part two. And I did that last week. We talked about the first five things. I want to talk about the second five things. And, uh, and I'm going to put those up on the screen here. And we're into the magnitude of grace. And last week we talked about saving grace, electing grace, justifying grace, converting grace, and sanctifying grace. So there was a lot of, we, did, we covered a lot of ground. And we're going to do the same thing this morning. And so that was five things. Number six in the, uh, is looking at this, is equipping and enabling grace. And this is the grace that gives us our spiritual gifts to serve one another and to strengthen and to use those gifts. So we're going we're to we're talk about that just a bit. And there, there's a, the Department of, of Social Services in Greenville County in North Carolina sent the following letter to a deceased individual. Your food stamps will stop effectively March 21st because we've received notice that you've passed away. May God bless you. You may reapply if there's a change in your circumstances. Now, well, that's not going to happen, right? That's not going to happen. But we do get gifts from God that he says, use these things now. Use these gifts now. Karl Barth, the theologian, he said this, grace must find expression in life, otherwise it's not grace. Grace must find expression in life, otherwise it is not grace. Paul says this in the book of Romans chapter 12. He says, having gifts that differ according to the grace given to us, use them. Let's use them. Use the things that God has put into our lives. You see, grace gives you gifts. That's what it says there, right? It's, they're equipping you. It gives you the equipping for your life. And then 1 Peter 4 says, as each has been equipped, as you've received these gifts, use them to serve one another in the body of Christ. So one of our responses to, uh, to uh, grace is very practical. Very practical. Use your gifts to serve God. Whatever God's given you, whatever that is, whatever gifts you know that He has given to you, Use it to serve other people and serve the Lord. A natural example of this can be seen as you look at the uh, the uh, landscape of the holy grounds. And you look at these two seas that are there. You know, there's a Sea of Galilee which receives water and fresh water goes from it into other places. It has abundant life. It has all kinds of different fish and plants. And, and it's just a wonderful place, beautiful beautiful setting. And then there's the Dead Sea, right? There's the Dead Sea. But the Dead Sea only takes water in. It doesn't, the water doesn't flow through it. It doesn't give out that same water. There's nothing living there. That's why they call it the Dead Sea. Nothing lives there. No fish, no plants. Gifts of God, and the gifts that God gives to you, can only be uh, used for His glory, and you have to use them. has to; they give life. But if you keep them in, they don't give life to other people. And that's what Paul's trying to say. He says he talks about his own life. He says, "You know what? By the grace of..." And I can say this, and you can say, this, "By the grace of God, I am what I am." You know, I am what I am. Sounds like Popeye. I am what I am by the grace of God. But God's grace, he says, toward me was not vain. You know, it's, it, 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 it's working. On the contrary, he says, I worked harder than any of them. I did something. I did something. He's talking about the other apostles here. I worked harder than everybody. The Sanhed- I was a Sanhedrin. I worked harder than all of these people. I worked harder than any of them, though it wasn't me. It wasn't me. But by the grace of God, Empower me—it's the enabling grace of God, equipping grace, enabling grace for our lives. And then this number seven here: giving grace. You see this in Second Corinthians. You know this is all over the Scriptures. I, I was saying someone—it's very hard to preach a sermon just on grace. You know, uh, there, there's so much all over the Scriptures that you have to pull these things from from every place. There's there's giving grace. It's almost like you're reading a uh, uh, systematic theology on grace. In 2 Corinthians chapters 8 and chapter 9 talks all about giving and how we give to the Lord Jesus Christ. Listen to what he says here. Paul says, but as you excel in everything, in faith, in speech, in knowledge, in earnestness, and in our love for you, see that you excel in this grace also. And he's talking about the grace of giving. The grace of giving to meet the needs of other people. Now, we do this here. We do this a lot in different ways here. Our mission budget is, is where we plug in a lot of different things that we do. And we send monies all over the world. And, and we don't shy when it comes to the mission budget. It's, it's a healthy budget. And we do, it, the money comes flowing into us, and it flows out to other people. And so we do that, and we do it with, with, with just, we love to do it. And we love to see the missionaries and what they're doing and all of that. So it's part of what we do. He gives an example of this in the 8th chapter in verse 9. He says, here's what Paul says. For you know that the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though he was rich, right, so he was rich, yet for your sake, and we just saying this, we just saying this, he became poor so that you by his poverty might become rich. And again, in 2 Corinthians 9, he says this, do what you decide to do, talking about giving with all your heart. Do what you determine to do with all your heart, not reluctantly, not because you are under compulsion that you have to do this. God loves a cheerful giver. God loves, I I, want to give. I want to do this. God loves a cheerful giver. And God is able to make all grace abound to you so that having all sufficiency in all things at all times, you may abound in every good work. In the New Testament, we have this wonderful story of this little guy, Zacchaeus, right? We like this story. We we grew up with this story in Sunday school. Zacchaeus, we sang that Zacchaeus was a wee little man, wee little man was he. We we know we know this song. We sang it all. And 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 if if the New Testament had a con artist, this this is the guy. This is the guy. He never met a man that he couldn't cheat. You know, I mean, he just he'd look at you and think, how can I get extract from you for me, and what I can get. He never saw a dollar he couldn't hustle, right? The first century tax collectors fleeced anything that walked, and they had the approval of the government to do this. And Zacchaeus took full advantage of this. He took a lot. He, he was one of those alligator-rich shoes kind of guys, you know? He, he, just, he just had it all. So he's filthy rich. And you know the story. Jesus comes to town, and Jesus walks into the village. And Zacchaeus wants to see him. He's heard about him, so this guy he figures, well, how am I going to see him? I got so he climbs up in the tree, right? There he goes up in the tree, uh, and he says, "Why is he going up in the tree?" He wanted to have a good look at Jesus, but you know what it did? It gave Jesus a good look at him. Who's that? And what's he doing? (laughs) What's he doing up in that tree, right? So he's looking at Zacchaeus up in his tree, and Christ is taking a good look at him, and he says, you know what? Come on down out of there. Stop doing that. I'm going to your place for lunch. And Zacchaeus looks around, says, is he talking to me? Is he going to talk to me? Of all the homes in town that Jesus could go to, financed with illegal money, right? Avoided by the neighbors. Nobody wanted to go to Zacchaeus' house. Yet on that day, graced by the King of kings and Lord of lords. Zacchaeus is is saying, he's coming to my house. He's coming to my house. And Zacchaeus was never the same, was he? Never the same. We know the story. By the end of the day, he said, Lord, here and now, I give half of my possessions to the poor. And if I've cheated anyone out of anything, I will pay back four times. Grace walked in the front door, right? And selfishness ran out the back door. It was the grace of God. It changed his heart. The grace of God does that. It changes people. It changes their lives. It changes how they look at life. God gives grace so that you can give. And then he abounds in grace towards you as you give, and then he supplies new grace, and he supplies new as you give. He he just fills you up. He fills you up. So we have that. We have equipping grace. We have giving grace. And then number eight, we have suffering grace. Some of you are probably here. Suffering grace. Grace in your suffering. Grace in the midst of trials and the hurts of this world that we feel. In 2 Corinthians, 12, Paul talks about how the Lord gave him a thorn in the flesh. You know, we know this too. We've heard this. Thorn in the flesh. A messenger from Satan, he says, to harass me, to keep me from becoming too conceited because God's given me so much. God's given me so many revelations and so much glory that he's given this this thorn in my flesh to keep me from just thinking I'm better than everybody else from what God's given me. During a, a Sunday service, a congregation was, was singing, and they were singing that chorus, you know, that old chorus that we used to sing I exalt thee, O Lord. And I exalt thee, O Lord. And a mother, the five year old, was sitting next to her little one, and she looked down at her little one that was singing, and, and um, she realized that her daughter was fervently singing I'm exhausted, O Lord. I'm exhausted. You know, in verse 8, in verse 8, three times he pleaded with the Lord take it away, take it away. I'm spent, I'm exhausted by this, it's hurting me. But he said, What? God responded, My grace is sufficient for you. My power is made perfect in weakness. My power is made perfect in weakness. Paul's saying, Lord, I've had enough. Just so take it away. I'm exhausted with this. Hurts me. Take it away. Now we see that in Jesus, don't we? And we sang that this morning. We see that in Jesus. He suffered hell so that we could enjoy heaven. He entered awful darkness on the cross that we could walk in the light. He drank the cup of wrath so that we could drink the cup of joy, and know the Lord Jesus. He was forsaken that we'd be forgiven. There's a redemptiveness. There's a redemptive person in suffering. What trials, temptations are you going through right now? And some of you are. Terrible things, hurtful things. Maybe it's a negative diagnosis of cancer or and you, you, you have chemotherapy you're looking at or radiation that, and all that goes with that. Maybe you've just had surgery and you're facing, or you're facing surgery. Maybe you've just recently lost someone that's dear to you in your life, a loved one, a family member, or just the remitting burdens of life. And life is beating you down. This is this, what we've been going through as a, as a nation. And all that's just weighing so heavily on your life. Or you have children with, with difficult health problems. Or you have children that, that, that are not behaving the way you think they ought to. And you need grace to carry on. You need grace to carry on. Maybe it's unending financial struggles. The bills just keep coming and you don't have the resources. You can't seem to get caught up. Maybe it's unemployment. You might have a marriage that's just hanging on by the threads. Whatever it is, whatever it is, the Lord says, My grace is sufficient for you. My power is made perfect in weakness. One of the great hymns that we sing in the faith was, When through fiery trials thy pathway shall lie, My grace all-sufficient shall be thy supply, right? The flames shall not hurt you. I only design thy dross to consume, thy gold to refine. Uh, you say, well, it doesn't look like grace to me. <laughs> it doesn't look that good to me. Uh, I, it looks like, what did I do wrong? Why is the Lord punishing me? Why is this happening to me? Why is God doing this to me in my life? Why are you treating me this way, God? You know, But the eyes of faith, the eyes of faith, look beyond the trials, and they say, God, you said, listen to me, God, you said your grace is sufficient. God, you said your power is made perfect in weakness. You promised that you'll be with me through this, and I'm relying on you right now. I'm trusting in you right now. Give me grace, and when you ask for it, Every single time, he will give you grace. Every time, he'll give you grace. None of us goes through the trials of faith without benefiting. You know, not, you know, you go back. Go back to the easy times in your life when things are going well and everything's fine, and you everything. You know, nothing, no problems, and, and you have all these good times, and you, and you look back and you say, "Wow, God really taught me something there." No, you don't say that. You don't say that. That's where God really drew me to Himself, right? <laughs> no, 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 no. It's through trials, and God. Here comes the grace. Here comes the grace. C.S. Lewis described the role of suffering in the life of a believer as soul-making, is what he says. It's soul-making. It's the shaping of a Christian with the hammer and the chisel of adversity, that you're getting beat up, but God's doing something in your life. Lewis also said, God whispers to us in our pleasures. You know this? What did he say? Shouts to us in our pain. He shouts to us in our pain. Um, two more things here and I'll be done. In our response to Grace. There's a there's a there's there's a suffering grace and there's the keeping grace. There's the keeping grace. Max Locato, in his book, just entitled Grace, he says, If hurts were hairs we'd all look like gorillas. Interesting, right? If hurts were hairs, we'd all look like gorillas. We'd all look like furry little balls because aren't there so many hurts in our life? I mean, go back. Aren't there so many cuts and bruises and sores and and pain? Haven't we been through it? I mean, everybody's had things in their life, They've been through. Did you ever feel like you might not even make it as a Christian? You know, I'm waffling here with things. You have doubts, temptations are so strong that you don't know if you're going to be able to keep going. Or maybe you just feel like you're always on the cycle of repentance. You know, you're pedaling that bike, pushing that thing. You blow it again in your life. And you come running to God, not to repentance, and then you blow it again, and you screw up in your life again, or is it just me? You know, is it just me, this treadmill that you have to come before the Lord again and say, "I did it. I'm sorry, Lord." Again. Well, here's the good news. There's keeping grace. There's keeping grace. In 1 Thessalonians chapter 5 and verse 23, listen to what Paul says here. Now may the God of peace himself sanctify you completely and may your whole spirit, soul, body be kept blameless at the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ. He who calls you is faithful. He'll do it. He'll do it. He who began a good work, right? We'll complete it. He'll do it. He'll do it. Paul's not calling on you to do it. Yes, we have a cooperative role here, but here's, he's committing us to God of peace, the God who's faithful, the God who says, I'll do it, I'll keep it. And he says, I'm here. I am here for you. And then in verse 24 of this same chapter, he he ends by saying, The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you. See, it's the grace that does it. It's grace that does it. And then one of my favorite hymns Oh, to grace, how great a debtor, daily I'm constrained to be. Let thy goodness, like a fetter, bind my wandering heart to thee. Hold me there, Lord. Prone to wander, Lord, I feel it. Prone to leave the God I love. Here's my heart. Take it. Seal it. Seal it for thy courts above. Keeping grace. It's keeping grace. And in 1 Peter, he says this. After you've suffered a little while. Are you suffering? Some of you are. After you've suffered a little while, the God of grace, who has called you, to his eternal glory in Christ Jesus, will himself re- he will do it, will himself restore you. He'll do it. That's what scripture says. He will confirm you, scripture says, strengthen you, he will establish you. God restores banged up people. People that have been hurt. God restores banged up people. Friends, in this society, we have a lot of banged up people. A lot of banged up people we serve in a God who specializes in restoring hurt and broken people like you and like me. I mean just you know what God, just and, and I do this just I just turn sometimes to the twenty third psalm and read through it. read through the twenty third psalm, find out what God does, how He ministers to us beautiful. And, and, and everyone knows it, the, the passage of Scripture that describes in detail the good shepherd, our good shepherd, and what he does for us. He provides for us. He comforts for us. He brings water to us. He heals us. He restores our soul. He feeds us. He protects us. And if that's not enough, he died because we're banged up and we need him. Romans 5 puts it this way. We stand in this grace. I like that because I've been standing in this grace a long, long time in my life. We stand. I needed it so bad. I stand in this grace. We stand in this grace of God. We roll in this grace. We allow this grace just to sweep over us again and again and again. Now, before I, before I finish, take your, get your handbooks. You got a handbook one ninety six one ninety six you know what stand up well let's sing this just just fire so we don't need any, we don't need any instruments there is a fountain filled with blood, right you know what give me the note you know the note for this just so I don't mess it up and we're singing up in the stratosphere <laughs> Let's do this. There is a fountain filled with blood, drawn from Emmanuel veins, and sinners plunge beneath that flood, lose all their guilty stains. Lose all their guilty stains, lose all their guilty stains. And sinners plunge beneath that flood, lose all their guilty stains. Second verse. The dying thief rejoiced to see that fountain in his day, and there boy, I, though vile as he, wash all my sins away. Wash all my sins. Away, wash all my sins away, and then, though vile as he, wash all my sins away. And then we'll stop with verse four. This is by faith. I saw that stream thy flowing wounds supply. Redeeming love has been my theme and shall be till I die. And shall be till I die. And shall be till I die. Redeeming love has been my theme. And shall be till I die. Thank you, sit down. We stand in that. We stand. Go ahead, sit down. We stand in that grace. You thought I told you to stand up, didn't you? We stand in that grace. I'm going back. We stand in that grace. Last one. Last one. When Jesus comes again, when Jesus comes again, we've been talking about this Wednesday night, we've been going through Revelation, and there's a new heaven, right? And there's a new earth, and all things are made right. The King has come. When it's all said and done, and we reach the eternal state, This is what we have. We have eternal, never-ending grace of God. The wonders of grace, not just here, this life, there's more in the life to come. Listen to Ephesians 2 where Paul starts to talk about this. He says, but God being rich in mercy because of the great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in our trespasses, He made us alive together with Christ. By grace you've been saved and raised up with him and seated with him in the heavenly places. Now watch what he says here. Heavenly places in Christ Jesus. So that in the coming ages he might show the immeasurable riches of his grace in kindness toward us in Christ Jesus. Paul just piles up The words here. He's just, he's out of himself here. He's out of, he's just piling up the words here, trying to communicate something that's just beyond imagination. Just look at the pile up here. God gives us kindness? No, that's not what he says. He gives us grace in kindness? No, that's not what he says. He gives us grace in kindness? No. Riches? No. He says, no, it's immeasurable riches of his. Grace in kindness, immeasurable. He does this so that in the coming ages, not just what what was it say, not just age, the coming ages, you know, age upon age upon age. When we've been there, we sing ten thousand years. You know, when we've been there ten thousand years, bright shining, we've no less days to sing God's grace. Coming ages, when we've been there forever. Ever. Age upon age. What does God have for us? One thing. Grace. 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 It's all you get. Grace. If you're a Christian, if you're in Christ, that's what you get. You get grace. And here's what I think that means. Here's what I think that means. I think it means... That every need we have, every need we have, every crevice of our being that feels hunger or pain or a need or a lack or a want or anything else will be filled full. It will be filled full with a glorious fullness of God in Jesus Christ, never-ending grace, never-ending joy that's given to us in the Lord Jesus Christ. So brothers and sisters in Christ, Joel Olstein is wrong. Our best life is not now. And you know that. But it's coming. It, it is coming. And, it's coming. and it's coming in power and it's going to be wonderful. It's going to be wonderful. So our response to God now that I want to move to, the response that we give to God is, so how do we do that? How do we respond to the grace of God? First, we have to receive it. We have to receive it. Paul writes of those who receive the abundance of grace and the free gift of righteousness. He says, this is our basic response. This is what we do. It's it's our response to the gospel, too, to accept Christ. Receive and believe. Receive and believe, you know. Receive the Lord Jesus Christ, believe in him. In preparing for this message, and I'm looking at this, I came upon the story of a woman by the name of Maria. She, she lived in Brazil. She had a daughter na- named Christina who was rebellious. And so she was working with all that. And, but, but, but Christina didn't want to stay. She wanted to leave. She didn't want to be at home. So very much like the story of the prodigal son, she left. And she took what she had. She slipped away. She broke the heart of her mother. And uh, this area of Brazil was a difficult and pretty terrible. And her mother knew this. And so as soon as she figured out that her daughter was gone, she went to the drugstore and back they don't do this up here anymore, but you know when you went to the drugstore and you had the, that photo booth that you get in, and you take all these little snapshots, you got all this she went in there and she just kept putting money in, and she kept taking all these pictures of herself. And she had a whole bag of these pictures of herself. She went home and she wrote on the back of these pictures, and she went to the city, and she started putting her picture in the hotels and in the brothels and in the red districts and in the bars and every place that she thought her daughter might be. And she put the picture of herself there in all of these places. And she went there day after day and did this for the longest time. She ran out of money. Hoping her daughter would see a familiar face. Weeks go by, months go by. Christina runs out of money. Life gets hard for her, just, just like the prodigal. She thinks about going home. You know, I've got to go home. I've got to go home. So in the bathroom of the hotel, she sees a familiar face. It's the face of her mother. She pulls the picture off the mirror, and she reads the writing on the back, and here's what it said. Whatever you've done, whatever you have become, It doesn't matter. Come home. Just come home. Come home. And she did. The gospel tells us that in Christ, we have a picture of a loving God who died on the cross, sent his son, arms stretched wide, saying, wherever you are, Whatever you've become, whatever your sins, however much you've screwed up your life, however wicked, undeserving you think you are, it doesn't matter. Come home. Come home. All will be forgiven. Come home. That invitation is come. Just come. Receive God's grace. See, it's God's grace. You've got nothing to contribute. Just come, hands open, life open, heart open. Come. Secondly, we receive it, and then we've got to be thankful. We're coming into that season of thankfulness, right? Be thankful. Paul says in 2 Corinthians 9, thanks be to God for his inexpressible gifts, right? It's been said that the New Testament is the doctrine of grace. New Testament ethics are gratitude. Grace and gratitude. Grace and thankfulness. All your obedience, all of who you are, flows out of gratitude to God for what he's done, right? I mean, we're just say thank you, Lord. I mean, for everything. All of this flows out of a gratitude for God's grace. Thanks be to God for his inexpressible gift. This is where our worship comes from. This is why we sing. This is our joy. And then the third thing, last thing, I like this, continue in the grace of God. Continue. Continue in the grace of God. This comes from the book of Acts. Look's what he's saying. In, in, in Acts 13, 43, it says, after the meeting of the synagogue broke up, many Jews and converts to Judaism, they followed Paul and they followed Barnabas, who, as they spoke with him, Urge them to continue in the grace of God. You don't start your life in Christ in grace and then move to works. You don't start your life in grace and then graduate to self-effort. That's what he's saying here. You start in grace. you you, You stand in grace. You take every step in grace. You continue in grace from the beginning to the end. It's God. It's God. Receive it. Be thankful. I, uh, for the life of me, really. I do not know why some people are so attracted to the negative uh, aspects of God, but there are people that are. Is it just going to get you? Going to get you? Going to get you? Always God is after you. I, I, I'm a child of God. No, I'm a child of God. There's eight thousand promises in Scripture that are mine. I'm a child of God, unending grace, right from beginning to end. Know who you are. Know who you are. I've, I've, like you, I've been through a lot of things in life. I mean, I'm an old guy. I've been through lots of difficulties, lots of pains broken relationships, death. And I'll say to you, without equivocation, the whole Christian life is grace. It's grace. God is a God, Scripture says this, of all grace. All grace. And all that he has for you in Christ Jesus is grace. Grace. So receive his grace, give his grace, give thanks to him for grace, and continue in that grace. Let's pray together. Father, we're thankful for this uh, this morning. Thankful for the words of Scripture, how powerful they are. As we look through all of these different uh, aspects of grace in Scripture We're just thankful for what God has done. It's an amazing journey. And for each person here, Lord, we're all in different journeys. We have different things that happen to us in our life. But God comes to each one of us because he loves us personally. And he calls us by name. Calls us by name. And he says, come. Experience my good grace. And walk in my grace. And stay there. Stay there until I take you to glory. And then you'll see the extent, the immeasurable wonders of my grace from age to age. So Father, Father, may this be that which just buoys our spirits, that which just jumps up in us, even in the midst of our trials to realize that these these trials mean something too and God's there for us and the hurts that we have in our life, that God takes those and heals those and we become people who can dispense that grace to other people because of what we've been through. We thank you for that privilege and that opportunity. We pray, Lord, that you would continue to minister to this body of Christ as we, we seek to honor you with all that we are and we just thank you. We just thank you for being alive in us. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.